Wednesday? Amen. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. We really appreciate to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I indicated that we'll have elections today, but we'll have them next week. Amen. Uh, There's just something that I'm working on on the background. God bless you richly. Uh, without waste of time, God bless you, the worshiping team. she was dismissed from the hospital this week. Amen. So God is, is still gracious to us. Whatever we ask him, if it is within the boundaries of his weight, he does honor our requests. Amen. Let us just read here Second Timothy. Second Timothy 1, from verse 1 to 6. If you have found it, you can say amen. Second Timothy 1. Verse 1 to 6, it reads in this manner. Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God to the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the infinitive faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother, Louis, and my, thy mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded that in thee also, as we bow our heads. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you at this point in time for having made it possible for us to be here. They have sung songs of Zion unto thee. Now we are getting into the most important part of the service, which is the dispensing of the word. May you make us to be receptive to your word, that when we leave this place, the word should be able to give us life, because heavens and earth shall pass away, but your word shall never pass away. And this morning, we want to thank you for the good health and for us to be in good spirits is because we are still enjoying the divine protection that you have granted to us. 
we live in a horrible world. And Lord, for us to be able to be intact in the manner that we are, I believe that the pillar of fire was at every believer's house last night, protecting them. This is a better protection than security companies. And that is why it is very responsible for us to just to thank you this morning. And Lord, we commit everything, the reading of the way to you, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. While you take your seats. Amen. God bless you. Maybe if the brothers can just bring something for me. Amen. Thought we should speak on Mother's Day today. Amen. Hey, don't go on the screen. Watch me first. <laughs> Amen. Because uh, when you go to the screen, you will wonder what are we taking. Maybe just the second slide, my brother, not this one. Amen. Now, we want to speak on Mother's Day this morning. Amen. And maybe the, the men that are in the building may say, ah, it's Mother's Day. That means the service is going to exclude us. Not at all. Absolutely not at all. It, uh, it's going to include everyone. And I hope when we leave this place, everyone will have their own personal assignment to do. Hallelujah. To be a change agent in their own environment. Amen. I, I came across this picture of an I think it's an Iraqi orphan child. Uh, he, he missed his mother so much that he drew on the floor the picture of his mother and decided to sleep in the arms of his mother. Hallelujah. The mother is gone. The young man is still, still a toddler, still needs the attention and the care of the mother, and just decided to draw a picture and sleep in the arms of his mother. His mother, you know what is happening in those environments. Bombs are exploding on daily basis. This boy's mother is one of the casualties of the bomb that exploded. And I'm saying the cruelty of this world robs the kids of the love that they should enjoy. And uh, the imbalances that we see across the globe, such as this, are mainly driven by lack of godliness, lack of godly men, lack of godly women. Uh, are we together? Uh, and I don't know, this boy still needs a mother. But I'm painting this picture and saying there are many people whose mothers 
are not longer around. And when we speak about a mother, if you only think of yourself as a mother only to your kids, that is a, a limited view and a selfish view. But this morning I want you to have a, an expanded view and say, I'm actually a mother of every child. Are you here, church? Are there mothers in the building? Amen. Now, just go to the other one. Well, yesterday, you know that we've got a cold front. This old lady, she's 67 years of age. And she's working for a lodge somewhere on the KZN mountains. She walked for an hour for 200 meters going up the mountain to make sure that she does not miss her work yesterday. Because had she missed her work, obviously she could have been fired. At 67 years old, she still has the determination to provide for uh, I would imagine that now is no longer her kids, but now is her grandchildren. And I, I'm saying we, we owe a gratitude to our mothers. The sacrifices that they make, uh, they keep the fires burning. Some of them are single mothers. Some of them are grannies. They raise orphans and we just want to say this morning, we salute such mothers. Amen. You can remove uh, uh, the presentation, brother. Amen. Now, before I get into quotations and scriptures, let me just deal with hard facts here. In the, and I'm not talking on a global scale, I'm talking about in our country. 40% of mothers in this country are single mothers. So that means every person that is a mother, 40% of them are single mothers. 60% of children that are being raised in this country are raised without their fathers. That means, if you equate it, we can say 60% of fathers have gone out, absent without leave. They are missing in action in this country. Now, I don't care, I don't care which men we make the commissioner of the police or the minister of the police or the president, unless this gap that is created by absent fathers is closed, you will never be able to sort out the crime, crime levels in this country. Because that means a lot of young boys are being raised without a role model of a father, and they look for a role model elsewhere, and most of them they look up to gangsters. Uh, they look up to drug laws, and as a result, that is why we've got the chaos that we, we have. Brother Branham says, if you break the backbone of motherhood, that nation is gone. But uh, we, we, we have to talk here. It's good that we can buy the mother's uh, 
flowers, buy them perfumes, whatever we buy them, and give them beautiful words and say, Happy Mother's Day. But I, I don't think the mothers of today, what do they need, brothers? It's so much words and perfumes and, 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 and flowers. I think what they need is available fathers. Are you here? Looks like it's only a single young men that are saying amen, which amazes me. I'm just dealing with hard facts. You, you'll bear with me if I make you uncomfortable. If I do, so be it. Because uh, the intention when you come to the service is not to go home and say, what a beautiful sermon. It's for you to say, goodness, it spoke to me. I'm going to do something about it. Uh, I've got no intention of preaching beautiful sermons. Amen. I've got an intention to preach heart-provoking sermons so that when people go home, they begin to reflect. Hallelujah. And another hard fact that I must deal with is that every eight hours in this country, a woman is murdered by an intimate partner somebody that they love, they, uh, 50% of murders, of especially female murders, is basically what we call femicide, women that were killed by people that claim to love them. What I'm simply saying is that 50% of women in this country do not feel safe in an environment where it was, it was meant to protect them. Are you here, people? Amen. amen. And, and I know there might not be an amen because uh, people are uncomfortable, but that is the intention, to, to bring, to, to pull you out of your comfort zone. Uh, children do not look at what we say. Children look at what we do. And the best gift that you can give, as I often say, your kids is how you treat their mother. The best gift that a man can give to a woman is how he treats their mother. Is the whole church here? Okay. I'll just as I move right along. I'll continue to check whether the whole church is here. We are, we are living in an abnormal society. And maybe in the spirit of Mother's Day, we've got to, to deal with hard facts this morning so that we, we can be able to... to, to to help each other. Amen. I was, I was listening to a discussion where they were asking, what is, what is the role? I'm just giving a background before I go to Mother's Day. And you'll understand why I'm, I'm taking my time showing you these statistics because you must remember Fathers and mothers are the natural agents for God to use in the salvation of their children. 
Are you here, folks? So that means if, if there is a misrepresentation of fatherhood in the house, it does not matter how much the church can speak about fatherhood, the child will never grasp the essence of fatherhood. A father is an agent of God in his household. A mother is an agent of God in her household. Are we together? Now, if, if we can speak about the heavenly father, and we speak how, how great he is, how he spoke things into existence, how we are his attributes expressed, but fail to represent him accurately in our household, the kids will look at our sermons and the sermons, they will say, these are just hollow weights with no substance to them. Are we together? And you may wonder why I'm saying that. I'm beginning to see a trend, even it used to be very foreign uh, when we were growing up. But I'm seeing a trend, and I'm not seeing in the message, we must remember, whenever I preach here, I don't only preach for you, I'm preaching, I'm contributing to the body ministry, if you get what I mean. So it doesn't mean if I'm saying something, it's a reflection of what's happening here. We've got our pulse on, we've got a, we, we, we feel the pulse of the message community. Our young men are beginning, especially those that have recently got married, even the elderly ones, they seem to be, I, I do not understand how one can hold a Bible, one can sing beautiful songs, and to a certain extent, certain extent how one can preach good sermons and go around and beat your own wife. It is, it is demonic. It is demonic. It is demonic. It is demonic. I will say that until men in the church say amen. It is demonic. And any man that does that is not only worth to be called a brother, but is not worth being called a son of God. Are we together, folks? I hope we are together here. Now, and, 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 and what I'm simply saying, a church must have a high moral ground. A church must lead the society in providing an essay test as to what is the good thing and what is the bad thing. And I'm simply saying, we men have got a responsibility that our kids, how we conduct the affairs in our household, they must be able to say, I've heard about God, but I know God is a resident in our house. God resides in my father. What I'm simply saying is that we need godly fathers. Uh, are we together? You, you can speak about motherhood, but uh, unless there is a headship, everything comes to kneel. Are we together? Now, here Paul says something very striking. He writes to 
Timothy, and he calls him his beloved son. And he says to Timothy, when I call to remembrance the sincere faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother, Louis, and thy mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded that it is in thee. Now, when you check, you can see what, what, what happened to Timothy's father because the grandmother is mentioned, the mother is mentioned, but the father is not being mentioned. The father is being mentioned in Acts 16. Acts 16 verse 1. Acts 16, verse 1, it says, Okay, hope I've got the right one here. Paul writes here, it says, Then came he to Debi and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain woman which was a Jew, and believed, but his father was Greek. Hallelujah. So what is happening, you get a sense here, if you go and read into the history, the father of Timothy was a Greek, and the mother of Timothy was a Jew. And right there, you are beginning to see something that has gone fundamentally wrong, because you must remember during that time, a Jew was supposed to only be married to a Jew. So without, without if, if we were to be allowed to speculate a little bit, you get a sense that the father of Timothy was not a believer. But the grandmother of Timothy, Lois, was a, was a believer that had possessed a sincere faith. And we don't know what happened to the mother of Timothy for her to end up with a Greek. But if we were to allow to speculate a little bit, is that you may find that like any other teen she might have come to a point where she may have developed a rebellion, but later she was converted into Christianity. Are we together? So I'm simply saying, but you look at the, 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 how firm the faith of his grandmother, Louis, was. It was able to influence the generations that were to come after her. My question this morning is that your faith in the word of God, your faith in the message of the hour, can, be, can it be, is it enough, can it be sustainable to the next generation? Can it be sustainable to the third generation after you? Can it be sustainable to the fourth generation after you? Have you got, is your, is your faith grounded so much in the word that your daughter can look at you and later your grandson can come and we can be able to say to your son, the faith that is in thee, it was first in your grandmother. And it moved from your grandmother, it went to your mother, and today it is in you. My question is that, is our faith, can the children be able to inherit our faith? Are we together? And, and when we say the children inherit your faith, that means you are beginning your life that you live now. 
is able to have an influence even on the second generation or the third generation that you may never see. Are we together? A real believer, how they live, they leave uh, the footprints on the sense of time. Once they are gone, they will be remembered that there was once that sister, there was once that mother, and there is no better legacy that you can leave behind for your children than have faith in God. Are we together? And, and that is what the mother's love has got to be done. Now, Brother Branham speaks about something here when he speaks about the mother's love. In the message led by the Spirit, he says, but you know, there is a mother's love. You are, you are, you are always mama's baby. What, what the prophet simply means is that no matter how big you are, no matter how husky your voice can be, you can never outgrow your mother. And I've realized you can outgrow your father. You can come on some sort of, your father can treat you or as, as, or as a sort of his equal in order to boost your confidence. If he's a mechanic, he can work with you as a mechanic and treat you like a mechanic. But goodness, a mother, you can never outgrow a mother. Even the best of the best leaders, whenever the mother is around, they know that the mother is in the building. Because the mother can be able to say, my child. That is why we once had a very a horrible boss. And I remember uh, my colleagues who were speaking uh, in those years. Somebody said, but why don't we get to the full number of his mother and tell, him why, and tell the mother what this man is doing here? It's because we knew that if the mother knew how he was behaving, the mother has got the ability to correct a man even when he's got a white beard. Because what? You can never outgrow your mother. And if something really was to fall hard on your head, you will scream at the top of your voice and say, Mommy, even though you are an old person. That means although the umbilical cord is cut off between the mother and the child, but the bond is never cut off. And uh, I had much better put it across to you, my brother. You, you may be a provider, but if it, can, if, if it can come to a crunch where the kids have got to choose, whether they go with the mother or with the father, they will say, Daddy, you can bring the grocery, but we are going with the mother. The mother may be unemployed. There is something that uh, the late brother Mbaya say. There are certain qualities that a mother has that a father does not have. Your mother is able to look you in the eye and know that something is wrong. Your mother is able to know even when you are miles and miles away from you that my child, wherever she is, something is definitely not right. Because a mother has been given with the sixth instinct. She's got an instinct. Hallelujah. I hope we are together here. But, uh, but above everything, what we need is not just mothers. What we need is godly mothers. What we need is mothers like uh, Susanna Wesley, mothers that can teach their children how to worship God. We need mothers that can make God to be so visible and so present in their household. We need mothers that can teach their children the Bibles. We need mothers that can teach their children never to miss church. We need mothers that can teach their children that God comes first in our house. We need mothers that can build the confidence of their children in the almighty God. Hallelujah. A godly mother is the best gift in this world. 
a godly mother must be cherished. Because when you've got a godly mother, you know that the prayers in this household shall be heard. A real mother is an intercessor for her own children. Can we have an amen on that one? Amen. And we'll come to the examples of the mothers. Brother Brennan says, no matter what you do, it's never forgotten mother's love. As we are sitting here, everybody would remember the mother's love. Hallelujah. And sometimes it's amazing that even if a mother, you can see that child is a toddler, but a few moments that he was able to spend with the mother, those moments were not forgotten. Hallelujah. A child can be a toddler, but if a mother gets taken away, what happens is that the child will always remember. And for some reason, even when he's an old man, he can remember and when he finds himself in certain situations, he, he can be able to say, if mommy was around, this is the advice that mommy would give in this situation. Even though he were, the mother died while the boy was a toddler. That is the power of the influence that a mother has on children. Are we together? And imagine if a mother was to go into what we call intentional parenting, where you deliberately mold your children and use the influence that you have upon your children. And I'm simply saying here, uh, folks, if you want to see the heart of the mother, a daughter is the greatest display of what is in the heart of the mother. Did somebody hear me on that one? I was saying to my wife, I say we had a boy, we had a second boy, but now we've got a baby child. I say, now we're going to see what is in your heart. Because what you cannot do on yourself, you're going to do on the kid. Did you, have you ever seen that? When a mother is afraid that deacons will, deacons will give me a problem, but she will make sure that what is in me, it's reflected on the child. Because with a child, it's very easy if somebody says something, says, no, she's just a child. No, a daughter is a display of what is in the heart of the mother. If it is not on the mother, it will never go on the child. But if it is on the mother, it will go on the child. Is there an amen on that one? Are there mothers that can say amen? Amen. Amen. Gee, the amen came more from brothers. Most of it's a mother there at the back. Amen. So, Brother Brother says, you know, that, that mother's love, no matter what you do, is never forgotten. Mother's love. Hallelujah. Stay with me. Amen. Or maybe just to paraphrase, I know you know the story very well, where a mother was doing her laundry downstairs, and as she was busy with her laundry, the fire broke out in the upstairs, and the mother realized, and the father was the fire was spreading fast in the building, 
the mother realized that the only thing that she had was a wet towel. As you know, a mother's love will do extraordinary things. I, the other time at my house in the yard, uh, I'm afraid of snakes. Hallelujah. Yes, I'm afraid of snakes. I, me and snakes don't mix. But the other time there was the snake in the yard. And my, I could hear my, my, my wife, the kids saying, it's snake. And my, my wife immediately, uh, amen. And at the moment they screamed, <laughs> the moment they screamed and said snake, I was thinking, but my wife did not think. She immediately rushed out. Where is it? And it was identified, and I came after her. <laughs> Hallelujah. And me, I wanted to strategize over the snake. So I was saying to her, Let's call Steve. Steve is our, is our, our neighbor, white neighbor. He's not afraid of a snake. My wife says, Steve is not around. We must make a plan. Before I knew it, the snake was dead. <laughs> and you could see her. She turned around and said, I killed that snake. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then I said, I protected you while you are killing the snake. <laughs> Amen. But, but I'm demonstrating the, what the mother love will do. A black mamba can come and slither around the baby. And the mother could be afraid of the black mamba. But as long as it's around the baby, there is a certain, there is a certain instinct where the mother will re- disregard everything. That snake will be dealt with. Because what is happening, it has come into her territory. It is threatening something that is dear to her, and it must be dealt with. So I'm simply saying, if you want to know, a woman can be as fearless as can be, but begin to touch her kids. You will see the boldness that you have never seen before. Hallelujah. Now this mother was downstairs, as she was downstairs, now the fire broke out. Now she, she, she rushed because she knew the baby was sleeping in the court in the, in, 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 upstairs. And she rushed, she got into the room, she grabbed the baby, but now the fire had engulfed the, 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 the house or the, the room where she was. Now, the only thing that she had, it was a wet towel. And with the wet towel, she made a decision. I'm going to cover my child with this wet towel. And I'm going to walk through the fire to protect my child. And she wrapped the baby and walked through the flames. And when she got downstairs, she was badly bent on the face. But the child was protected through the fire. Now we are told, as Brother Brendan mentioned, the child grew. And the mother never spoke to the child about what happened. Because she did not want to put the child on a guilt trip. She didn't want every time they disagree and say, only if you had known what I have done for you. I'm saying genuine mothers have done a lot of things, but they never mentioned to you. Are you here, church? 
Now, when she went to varsity and she had friends there and she joined, she became part of the mob psychology on the campus. But there was a time when they were coming back from the holidays and they were on a train. And as they were trained and the train was pulling off the station, they peeped through the window and the friends saw this ugly looking woman who had her face badly bent and they were laughing at her. And right to the, the daughter pretended like she did not know the mother. And she joined the friends and laughed at the mother. But the, the, the ticket conductor there knew the whole story and called the, the daughter aside and said, only if you knew what your mother did for you. Because the reason she is in that condition is so that you can be in a better condition. Have a respect, have a love for your godly mother. So I'm simply saying, even in this building, there are certain things that mothers have sacrificed for the well-being of their children. And I had much better make you comfortable. I had it not been of the tenacity and the resilience of certain mothers, certain families would have long crumbled. But it's because a godly mother was there, she overlooked herself and said, for the sake of my family, I'm going to get this family together. And I'm saying this, it's not easy, especially in our time, where you, you advise women and say you can stay. But a lot of times, most women are in a flight mode. But we know godly mothers, some of them, they put up with drunk husbands. But they were there for the well-being of their children. And today, some men are in the message, not because an angel came from above, but because there was a mother who stood her ground and said, David, you cannot come and cause problem in my territory. I will protect my territory. And at the right time, the father was redeemed, was brought back. Hallelujah. And I'm saying we need to be thankful for the resilient mothers. We need to be thankful for the persevering mothers. We need to be thankful for the mothers. When they had no solution, they went down on their knees and said, God, I've got no solution. This is a problem. I'm going through a hardship, but I need you to come onto the scene. And they became persevering. And today, the whole family is preserved. Because there was a godly mother. And we just want to salute the godly mothers. still with me? It is amazing that the first time when the world got into trouble, the devil used motherhood to get the world into trouble. It was through Eve, conception of Cain, and the world was ushered into chaos. It's amazing that God used motherhood to reverse the damage. It was a woman called Mary to reverse the damage that happened through Eve. So, mother, a mother has always partnered with God in the redemptive process. Are we together? I hope we are together there. Just something that I need to mention here.
Brother Brandon says in this message, speaks about that woman whose child had contracted a venereal disease, which was a sexual disease. And you know, without casting aspersion on the young men, young men, if if a young man contracts contracts that before marriage, there's a certain type of life that the young boy must have lived. Are we together? And I'm saying I'm saying this cognizant that there are those that got entangled in certain things before they knew the gospel truth. Are we together? And if you happen to have been affected before you believed the message, it's understandable because you did not know God. But I'm, I'm putting this across as an example. The mother, there must have been a lot of times where he must have told his young boy and said, listen, young man, uh, the life that you are living is not a correct life. Is going to get you into trouble. Uh, listen to me. But the boy maybe had friends and, and, and had a good time and moved on and enjoyed parties until he contracted the sexual transmitted disease. And now he was now lying on his bed dying. And Brother Bram said he kept on screaming and saying, I see darkness. And right there, it's amazing, folks. Maybe you fathers should know. We fathers, either it is our law, or if you don't adhere, adhere to our law, it's our house. And if you don't adhere to our law, we will chuck you out. That's how a father is. A father is a disciplinary. He, he deals with discipline. And a father, can, a father can disown a child and say, I've tried everything, but this boy is still on your smoking uh, this. I'm done. But a mother will never give up on his child. Uh, you as a father can even do a protection order and say, the boy must never come back to this house. The mother will cancel it secretly. It's not because she's reckless. She can't sleep at night as long as that boy is out there. There is something, there is a connection that she has with the boy. You've got no idea. Now, this mother never gave up on the boy. Now, the boy was lying on the deathbed and saying, I see, I see darkness. And the mother knelt down by the door, by the bed, and he, she had opened the Bible and read about the widow that once cried hallelujah and she now worshiped and said god as it happened to this widow i need it to happen to me here's my son dying where is elijah i need elijah to come because brother Brum says because she looked at the verse and identified herself with the verse and had a positive mental positive mental attitude towards the verse then it brought that verse to be alive and right there, even before she could know that something is right, I can imagine when that mommy told the boy as the boy was screaming, Mommy, I see darkness. I think I'm dying. Mommy say, don't worry, Johnny. Everything is going to work out well. Everything is going to be all right. Hallelujah. 
I don't know how many people have ever heard their mother saying, everything is going to be all right. Now, while she was there, an airplane was about to take off. And they had done safety check. The, the flight attendants had already demonstrated what people need to do. They had demonstrated the first aid, the emergency exit, and now the, the plane was supposed, about to take off. But while it was about to take off, there was just an, an apology that was given and said, ladies and gentlemen, we think we are not going to take off anymore. I think there is a problem, but it will be delayed by an hour or so. Right there, then the prophet got out of the plane, but the reason the plane was grounded, it was not a mechanical failure. The reason the plane was, and imagine it had people on board that had appointments, but it had to be delayed because there is a mother that was in her closet, that was in contact with God, that became disparate and said, God, I need you on the scene right now. And right there, the prophet of God came out and said, maybe I had much better stretch my legs. And he came out of the airport and he took a walk. He took this tent, didn't know where he was going, but he was under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But while they were there, you know, when a mother has prayed and know that I've committed the matter to God, she does not panic. It's amazing that when everybody panics in the house, a mother does not panic. And after she had committed to God, well, Brother Brenham came by and was going past, and this woman just said, good morning, person. And Brother Brenham turned around and said, how did she know that I'm a pastor? And says, I've been praying about Elijah. Listen, the woman did not even know that it was a time of Elijah ministry. The woman was not a message believer. The woman had not been to a message church. That woman had no quotations, but she had the right mental attitude. She had a disparate prayer that she offered to God. And God was obligated to answer to that woman. And came into the house. Brother Brenham said, as I walked into the house, I looked and I realized that this must be a Christian based on the pictures that were on the wall. And then uh, the woman led to the, woman, the brother Brenham into where the boy was sleeping. And brother Brenham began to pray for the, for the boy. And all of a sudden, the boy screamed and said, Mommy, I can see the light. What changed from seeing the darkness to seeing the light? In the interim, the mother's faith interrupted the death that had come to visit the family. In the interim, the mother's faith pulled Elijah out of the Bible. Pull grounded to the aeroplane. There is a lot that happened in the background because a faith of a woman became into action. And I had much better say to you, it was not the prayer of Brother Brenham that saved the boy. But it was the attitude of that woman when she said, Oh God, where is thy Elijah? And she made the scripture to be alive in her household. A prayer, a faith of a woman will make God to be tangible in their household. A, a faith of a woman will make a scripture to be alive in their household. And I can tell you, when a, a godly mother becomes deep spirit, then you know the devil is going to be in trouble. Oh, have you ever seen a mother that refuses when everybody has given up on the child? And say the child, it will never work out. And the doctors shook their heads. 
and as well as the specialist shook their head. But the mother remaining by the bedside and say, well, they have shaken their head. But this child will come back to life. And the mother begins to pray. God has so much respect to the prayer of a woman. Are you still with me? Still with me. My brother Branham says, he speaks about that hipposum that had come to his house, and Brother Branham was reading in the newspaper about how a certain young mother had thrown her baby in the toilet pit. Some women have children but they are not mothers. Amen. And some mothers have children. You can, you can have a child but not be a mother. A mother will never throw her child in a toilet pit no matter how poor she may be. Never. And Brother Branham says, well, he was reading about this in the newspaper and he had brothers there and they were discussing about it and Brother Branham had a few remarks that he made about that mother, how she lacked the morals as a mother. And right there, the Holy Spirit began to condemn Brother Branham. And said, you are able to condemn that one. But here is a mother referring to that animal. Sick, but still being able to breastfeed her children. And right there, Brother Branham says, oh God, forgive me. And Brother Branham says, I went to that hipposum and I prayed for it. And it says after I prayed for it, it says it stood up. And it, it walked, it ran a few miles. It could not stand before I had prayed for it. But after I prayed for it, it stood and walked a few miles and looked at me to say, thank you, say. And it walked away. What happened today, brother, God was able to respect the motherhood of an animal. And if God can respect the motherhood of an animal, how much more about a daughter of God? I'm saying this morning, God knows your struggles. God knows your up and downs. And you may say he doesn't hear me, but he's there. And he's molding a certain character. And I'm saying to the mothers this morning, have you got the ability to trust God when he's silent? Because real mothers, they, they don't have any assurance. They don't know whether things will turn out well. But what's happening? They just say tomorrow will become better than today. And what makes them to say tomorrow will be better than today is because they have committed the matter to God. And tomorrow comes, and there are challenges tomorrow. That day comes, there are challenges tomorrow. But at the right time, when God responds to a mother, the whole community will know God has gone into that family. Are you here? 
I know what I'm talking about. I remember that widow that, that had just had her last meal. But Elijah stood there and said, just give me your last meal. Because Elijah was God's gift in the household of that widow. And because she had the right mental attitude to the servant of God, she gave the servant of God the last meal. But what happened thereafter? Oil never ran out. What happened thereafter? Bread or flour never ran out. I'm simply saying, if you receive the gift of God in your household as a mother, and what is the gift of God in the end time? The prophet is the gift of God in the end time. And real mothers that will rally their families around that gift, God, it will be a golden age in your house. It will be a golden age in your house. Amen. Are you still with me? I hope you are with me. Now, when you are enjoying, let me backtrack and come to where it's a bit uncomfortable. Physical abuse. In relative terms, in comparison, is less dangerous than emotional abuse. A man that takes or lifts his fist and beats the woman and there is a blue eye, at least people can see that there's been violence in the family and people can intervene. But a man that will utter the word that will cause emotional wounds that no one can be aware of what was said, how it was said, that is more dangerous. And I'm saying, brothers, we can say happy Mother's Day. But what we say to the mothers when no one is listening, when there is no spectator, the words that come out of our mouth are more critical than what we can do in the public domain. What I'm simply saying, I'm saying this as a pastor because abuse has got the ability to hide itself until it is undetected. I'll give you an example. A woman went to a doctor, and when she got to a doctor, she, this doctor had been her doctor for 20 years. This doctor happened to uh, attend a medical conference where they were speaking about women abuse. Now, this doctor, when he returned, he decided that for every female uh, patient that comes, I'm going to ask, have you ever been abused? And goodness, the first one that came, it was this woman who happened to, who happened to have been her patient for 20 years. And the doctor said to the woman, have you been abused? And the woman said, yes. She says, but I've been your doctor for 20 years. You never told me. She says, no, it's because you never asked about it. A medical doctor taking care of this woman, but abuse was undetected. It's a demon that can hide under religion. It's a demon that can hide under culture. It's a demon that can hide under civilization. 
while in the public domain everything looks well, but behind the scene, a lot could be going on. And because we live in a time where we've got to maintain the makeup, we've got to project a certain image that things are fine. Now, a lot of women are suffering, but they are protecting the image of their husbands. Goodness, these days there are some men that are being abused by their wives, but I'm not going to go there because you chose her. I can't go there, you chose it for yourself. But here's, my bro- here's a question, brothers, and those that are married. If, if, if you were to be honest and sit with your wife and ask her, have I led this family as best as I can on biblical principles. Have I ever somewhat misrepresented this message to you and the kids? And, and when you ask that feedback, you don't ask it, and thereafter she's afraid that what are you going to do about it? This is a son of God soliciting feedback from a daughter of God and say, over the years that we've been together, Has the devil ever infiltrated this family somewhat through my behavior? Are we together? I I know what I'm talking about, folks. I know what I'm talking about. And we're going to give examples. When a man can provide for the family and he's got the ability to provide, it is good for him to say, see that, I don't want you to go around and be chased by sinful boss, and be chased for deadlines, stay here, raise the kids, I will provide. That's a godly husband. But similarly, somebody can say, I don't want you to do anything, but the same man can, can abuse the woman through financial exclusion. You don't have a say in this house. I'm the one working for the money. You cannot even choose what curtains we put in this house. I'm a provider in this house. And you reduce a woman to an empty shell that has got no self-esteem, no self-confidence. But guess what? On Sunday we are together. I'm raising my hands and singing Amazing Grace while my wife is dying behind. She cannot tell everybody else because as a pastor, I've got a good image that I project to the people. He's our pastor. He preaches good sermons. He can, never, he can never do anything wrong until the woman decides that for me rather to raise issues with the deacons regarding this man, I rather keep quiet because I need to protect his performance in the public domain but while dying inside. And my question is, how many women are dying inside to protect the image of brothers? How many children have witnessed ugly ways uttered in our household until they look and say, the message is great. Yes, pillar of fire. But if this message 
cannot produce a godly life in my family. Maybe this message is a fairy tale. When, I, when I'm done with the family, I'm done with the message. I want to be independent so that I can have my own life. I can craft my own life from the message because something has gone wrong. These are message believers. But on their way back home, they argue in the car. There are words, ugly words that are being uttered. And I wonder if we go to church and church doesn't change them. Then surely it is not for me. I'm saying how many parents have misrepresented the message in their households. How many are wounds that are there that are not visible? Words that were spoken. I know I'm a pastor, folks. I know what I'm talking about. A young woman from another assembly wrote me a long email. and said, Pastor, he is beating me. But he knows the seventh seat. He calls quotations. Everybody looks up to him. I can't tell anybody about him. He's even the pastor's favorite. And I'm asking myself, what is happening to her children? They, they develop bitterness towards the message. They develop bitterness to anything that resembles the message. Now you wonder why are we losing young people from the message. And a lot of times we point at them, but we never point at ourselves. And say, what did we do that our children, when they grow up, they, don't want, want, they, want, they want nothing to do with this message. But I'm saying on this Mother's Day, on this Mother's Day, let there be an introspection. On this Mother's Day, let self-interrogate yourself. And I'm saying, brothers, in the message, it takes higher than just providing a grocery to be a father. Any man with money can do that. But when we come into the message, we are speaking about a, a father that can bring his children around the table and open the Bible and say, I pray for my children. I know her challenges. I know his challenges. I'm praying for them. And when they go out there, he says, Daddy has got your back. Daddy has prayed for you. And they know that God respects Daddy because of how Daddy treats mommy. Any man that mistreats his wife, God does not hear their prayers. They are just rumbling. It's not going anywhere until you treat her right. And Brother Abraham say, any man that does not treat his wife right is not in the right mental mind. Are we treating them right? I was a young boy. I admired a young a brother. You know, when we were growing up, you fellas, you don't understand that just the young ones. If a brother had the COD book, book of Hebrews, we used to look up to them and say, that brother is spiritual. And there was a brother that had received, by accident, had received the tapes from Voice of God recordings. I don't know whether it's by accident or was it an offering. But he had them and it was many of them. And owning the tapes during that time, it was the most difficult thing. I remember there was a time where I was saying to mommy, I need all the tapes of Brother Brenham. 
And then that time it was, all of them, it was 10,000 rents. And I had spoken to Brother Theo Erasmus. I say, I need in my house to have a library. I want to run a library for the church. But mommy, I need, I don't want a bike. I need you to buy me the tapes. Now this man had tapes. I looked up to him. Great man. Preacher. And every time I would go there, borrow tapes from him. And he would be there and say, I'm the only one that has these tapes. And one day while we were sitting with this man that I'd admired, the wife came in to ask him about something. His impatience, his irritation with his wife, and the answer that he gave and treated her, it made me lose all the respect. I said, I don't care how many tapes he has. I don't care how many spoken words he has, but the day he treated that woman, the way he treated her, he is not worthy of my respect. And I'm saying, how many men do we have that have spoken words, that have tapes, that are esteemed high, but how they treat their wife, they treat them like trash, like doormat. can't tell anybody because when you pray your, pr- your prayer brings God down and people are going to say you mean the same mouth that can pray this prayer can utter such ways you are accusing the men of God and what happens they withdraw and absorb the pain I did not know that we would have a time where we would have suicides in the message. We're beginning to have suicides. What is happening? People have bottled up so much in them. They've got no one else to tell. Because even if they find a sister to tell, she runs with the whole matter through the church. How many of you have you ever sat down with somebody and confided in them? And say, this is the matter that I'm going through. I want you to pray with me. Before you knew it, somebody comes and say, that matter, how is it going? But real mothers, they are good prayer partners. Amen. And some of the things is not because people went to tell everybody. Some people, whenever they've got issues, they want everybody to know about it. Everybody that visits them say, yeah, the reason my leg is so painful is one, two, three. And later you wonder why everybody knows about your leg. It's the one, you are the one that told everybody. Amen. And mothers, we need mothers that can have each other's back. I close, there's a woman called Hannah. She's struggling to conceive. She's looked down by her, by the second wife, Penina. She's mistreated. She can't send her children to fetch things. Says, why don't you have children of your own? It's a reproach on her. She's looking for a child. 
she goes to church. She sits down there. She's crying. She's got desperation. God, I've been barren. I want to conceive. I want to have a child because it was a shame during that time. And today is not a shame, folks. If God doesn't give you a children, it's painful, but no one must look down on you. Now she prayed, she prayed, she prayed, she prayed until everybody, when they left, the woman remained in her seat and was just sobbing and crying to God and said, God, I need a child. Until when the pastor looked at her and said, but goodness, uh, this woman must be drunk. Hallelujah. And came and said, can I help you? He says, no, I'm fine. I'm just praying. And they were until through the, the lips of the priest, God prophesied that you will have a son. And later she had a son and said, I will have a son, but later I will commit that son back to God. Real mothers know that when we've got children, we commit them back to church, back to God. Are we together? And I've got a challenge for mothers in the building. Real mother does not leave his children at home when they go to church. Not at all. They are the ones that know that. Even when, because you know why? You're going to die. And when you are dead, you want your children to behave in a certain way that you have prescribed for them when you were still alive. You want when you are lying in the grave, that when it is a Sunday morning, the kids are, are, are bathing and say, if mommy was there, he was, she was going to wake up early because we need to go to church. Real mothers are connected to the church. Real mothers bring their children to church. Real mothers instill their confidence to God about prayer. That's why Hannah took Samuel back to God. Until she became a prophet. going to read the last quote, then we are done. I'll paraphrase it. It is a long quote. Brother Brenham says, a prayer of a genuine mother can be able to have an influence on her children, even beyond the grave. That means if your children are not in the Lord, but you pray for them, even though we bury you, but your prayer will still go after them. So what I'm simply saying, even though they are not coming in, keep on praying. Keep on praying. Even when you are taken off the scene, your prayer will remain in the air, chasing after them. And at the right time, you and your children will reconcile on the other side. Real mothers commit their children on their knees. On those ways, happy Mother's Day. As we stand to our feet,
any song there, brother Matthew. Let's just worship God. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Jesus.
just we glorify you, dear Lord. You just, Lord, we sung that song, Lord Jesus, our number one, Father. Mm. Yes. yes, you are, dear God. Yes. How we bless you, amen, with the music just so softly, amen. Mm. We just want every head bowed, amen, every eye closed, yes. in respect and reverence, knowing God has spoken, amen. God has moved, amen. With every head bowed, amen, we just want to, knowing that God has spoken and moved upon the hearts of the fathers, moved upon the hearts of the mothers, amen. And, and, and we know very well, amen, and we may be out there, amen, this morning and out, and we could just be so religious on the flesh, and we could just move, and we could just portray and put a display, amen, of Christianity, but we know maybe there's something that's wrong, amen. We know maybe the light has shone so great and so bright through the revelation of this message and, and came right down into my pew, right down into my seat and exposed something that was hidden, amen. And you know that you need to make right this morning, amen. With every head bowed, amen. Amen. And, and if we be that one, amen, knowing that the Holy Ghost ticking upon your soul and wanting you so much to make that right, amen. We could just slip up our hands. My hands are raised this morning. I'm so guilty, amen, of so many things that was even said in that pulpit, amen. And I can just say, Lord, help me as a son of God this morning, amen. I'm in needy, Lord. There's a, there's a rapture that's taking place. And, and before that rapture, there's a, there's, a, there's a molding in my family. There's a voice that I have to speak that I'm responsible for. Amen. For those little kids, for those children, for my husband, for my wife. Amen. To make it in the rapture, knowing how the Antichrist will come and, and destroy and murder. Knowing how they will kill Knowing how they are killing even spiritually, amen. But we are also responsible, amen, for killing spiritually, amen. We are responsible, amen, for emotional things that nobody could see. But the Holy Ghost this morning was graceful enough, amen, to move and show us love. And not to let us be in that condition, amen, when no one could see, amen. So we just want to say, Lord, help me this night as we would slip this morning, slip our hands up in prayer. And let us just pray with all our hearts, amen. I believe that demon will move this morning, amen. I believe, amen, that he cannot hold on anymore, amen. I believe that he will break the chains, amen, this morning, amen. That he will set us free as sons of God, amen. As husbands, amen. If ever they should be husbands, amen, they should be within the message church, amen. Should be within the message circles, amen. Because we have what they don't have, amen. We have the truth that could set us free this morning, amen. We could say, yeah, Lord, help me. Help me even as a wife this morning. I've been also guilty, contributing, amen, to the things that were said, amen. Maybe something has not been said even, amen, 
But the Holy Ghost speaks to me this morning and lets me know that I'm wrong in the midst of my brothers, in the midst of my sisters. Amen. I come humbly this morning. Say, Lord Jesus, touch me this morning. Lord, I'm coming also with a burden. I'm coming with a need in my heart. Thou knowest. Amen. And with all of the needs, we can say, Lord, have mercy upon me this morning. Lord, I'm not going to go one more day. I'm not going to go into this world. I'm not going to go there professing and being a hypocrite. I may need, Lord, change me. You gave me a promise that you can give me this Holy Ghost that can take away this reproach. Amen. Take away these sins and make me a real genuine Son and daughter of God, I say, God, help me this morning. Let us pray, amen. Let us just, let us just be sincere, amen. As we believe this morning, God will move this morning. Heavenly Father, dear God, we come, Lord, as your children, dear Lord Jesus. We have nowhere to go, Father. We cannot, Lord, go into the Methodist church or the Baptist church, dear Lord. Or the Catholic Church or the Pentecostal Church, rather. Lord, the seals are not open there, dear Lord. Christ is not revealed there, dear Lord Jesus. We know we could get delivered for certain things, rather. But the ultimate deliverance, rather, where Christ could come into my soul and make me the true daughter and the son of God, the husband or the wife that I need to be. Lord, it's right, your Father. It has been spoken this morning, Father. It is the words of life that could change my heart. And I, I want to be, Lord, Father, having that faith yes. of Anna, Father. Having that faith of Mary, dear Lord, this morning. Say, Father, your words are enough, dear Lord Jesus, to change my life. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm surrendering all to you. And I'm just saying, Father, help me this morning, dear Lord Jesus. Help us as a child, as a children of God, Father, to be that real children of God uh, that will live for Christ, Father, that will die for Christ, Father, die to our own ways, Father, our own thoughts, dear Lord, and accept your mercy that thou hast provided this morning, dear Lord Jesus, that we promise as the children of God, Father, we will take you by your word, O oh God, Father, we will hold on to these blessings. We will hold on to this promise, dear Lord Jesus. We will hold on to the arms of the altar, dear Lord Jesus, until we completely change and restored and made children of God this morning. May you bless them, dear Lord Jesus. May you release them, dear Lord Jesus, from all the torment that the devil has maybe inflicted this morning, Lord Wounds, dear Lord Jesus, that only you can see, Father. There's no doctor, Father, but except Dr. Jesus, Father, the great physician that can even heal those wounds, Father. Make them all so well, dear Lord Jesus. Many are the afflicted of the righteous of 2,000 years ago, Father, but many are the afflicted of the righteous. Right, yeah, in light as tabernacle, Father. And you will heal them, dear Lord Jesus. Mend those broken hearts, dear Lord. Mend those cars, Father. You won't just speak so hard, dear Lord, this morning, Father, for the sake of it being a good sermon. No, sir. Father, you spoke, oh God, because, Lord, 
the needs, Lord Jesus. Uh, we just pray, Father, as the children of God, touch your people once again, Father. And I believe that you have done that this morning, dear Lord Jesus. I believe, Lord, there's even some that's just maybe struggling along, dear Lord, just don't know how to come out with it, Father. But, but I know, dear Lord, that your words this morning would never leave them, dear Lord. Your words would run with them, dear Lord Jesus. Your words would be with them as they go through the weeks as well. Adam, madam, where art thou, dear Lord Jesus, as you would speak? Your spirit will always strive with man, Father. May you bless the church of God this morning. Bless your servant, dear Lord, in a mighty way, dear God, for being a surrendered vessel, dear Lord. Continue, Father, to feed the church. We pray and we believe, dear Lord Jesus. Keep us, dear Lord, until we meet again. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Heal your people. Heal your people. Heal the land.
down make sure you take notes because he preached two messages on this day this scripture is fulfilled and even come down we've got two messages but make sure that uh, the one that is on the goodness the one that was preached this week oh okay I thought this is the date that the message was preached on okay what is the date on the the CD. How many have got a seed? That CD. Are you listening? Okay. Uh, countdown. Uh, just go to the library. If those that download, just make sure that you download the same message as per uh, the CD or as per our program. But we are on countdown on Thursday. Amen. I hope this is becoming a blessing in your households. I think it's bringing that family cohesion. Amen. Uh, you will not regret listening to these things as a family. You will see you will grow closer and closer to each other. I think the best altar call is around the family altar. Amen. The date that still trying to retrieve it. 16 of November. Oh. 25th of November 1962. Yes, that is the message for this week. Amen. For those that are downloading, God bless you richly. And uh, there's a the, the most, the main intention for a library is so that we must not blame you and say these people are not watching godly things while we are not providing with godly things. 
So after we have supplied, then we can hold you accountable. But if you've got nothing, then you will watch days, the bold. I don't know what's recent in recent times was. Oh, skim some. Those so we say we want to replace skim some with something godly. That's why we've got a library so that the content that we feed on in our household must be a godly content. And the church must be able to provide you with the right material so that you and your family feast on godly material. And you will see when your chickens feed on godly material, they become godly. Amen. Uh, we are not going to sing. There's a, there's, a, there's a play. I know Brother Ed Biscal has done few plays in his church. Brother Tim Prout has done few plays in his church. And uh, they normally say local is? Okay. Not that that one is like it, but local is more like it. Amen. So I, I was watching at the play that Brother uh, Naidu has written, and they've acted out at, uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a theater in Rodeopur. The, the, the amount of work that has gone into the play, the diligence, it's amazing. So I, 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 I watched it. I thought I would browse on it because I was tired when I was watching it. I thought maybe I would get a Saturday where I would watch it. But that night where I was tired, I finished the entire CD, DVD. So we're just going to play you a trailer. It's available at the library if you want to order it. Once you've ordered it, uh, what do they call it? What do they call it when piracy is theft. Amen. Piracy is theft. Can believers say piracy is theft? Amen. So that means if you've got original, don't copy it on your laptop. Because if you copy it, then you become a thief. Take it back and order the original for your household. 